podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. In honor of April Fool's Week, I chose an unusual episode from the mysterious traveler called The Haunted Trailer. The Mysterious Traveler ran for nine years on the Mutual Broadcasting Network from December of 1943 to September 1952. The show was created, written, and directed by Robert Arthur and David Cogan. The duo utilized a variety of genres including horror, crime, and science fiction. Listeners tuned in each week, never sure what kind of story The Mysterious Traveler would tell. Each episode opened with the mournful wail of a distant train whistle, followed by the sardonic voice of the mysterious traveler, advising listeners to settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable, if you can. The mysterious traveler was played by radio veteran Maurice Tarplin, who also played Inspector Faraday in Boston Blackie, and Dr. Weird in another Arthur and Kogan radio series, The Strange Dr. Weird. In 1951, Grace Publishing launched a Mysterious Traveler magazine featuring crime and supernatural stories inspired by the radio series. The magazine's five-issue run featured painted covers by pulp artist Norman Saunders and stories by such notable writers as John Dixon Carr, Sax Romer, Cornell Woolrich, and Ray Bradbury. The Mysterious Traveler returned to the printed page five years later in a comic book from Charlton Comics called Tales of the Mysterious Traveler. The series ran for 13 issues from 1956 to 1959. Many of the Mysterious Traveler comic book stories were illustrated by a young Steve Ditko, future co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And now let's listen to the haunted trailer from the Mysterious Traveler, originally broadcast June 3, 1952. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Transcribe. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Mysterious Traveler. Written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Cogan, and starring one of radio's foremost actors, James Stevens, in The Haunted Trailer. This is the mysterious traveler inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable, if you can, as we take a little cross-country trip in The Haunted Trailer. Before we begin, I have a question for you. Do you believe in ghosts? No, that's good. 
then my story won't bother you in the least. So let me introduce Melvin McGraw, as nice a young man as you'll ever meet in this world or the next. Melvin is very unhappy. He has a story he wants to get off his chest. All right, Melvin, tell us all about it. Uh, maybe it'll buck up your spirits. Spirits. Don't mention that word to me. What I could tell you about spirits. In fact, I'm going to. You are now listening to a desperate man. And yet, just two months ago, I was sitting on top of the world. I was heading for California in my coupe, pulling a brand new trailer. In California, I had a girl waiting for me. Her name was Louise, and we were going to be married. We were going to take a two-weeks honeymoon trip in the trailer, then settle down in a little vine-covered cottage. But I haven't the heart to go into details. Just say that as I drove through the Catskills, I was happier than a lark. I'd made a late start, so I drove until well after dark. Then I found myself on an empty stretch of road in the mountains with a bad storm coming up. I didn't want to drive through a storm, so when I came to a tiny, dark railroad station, I pulled off the road beside it and made myself comfortable in my own trailer. In no time at all, I was asleep. But about midnight, a terrific clap of thunder woke me up. I sat up, bumped my head, and the storm was raging outside and the trailer door had blown open. It was banging back and forth. I got up to close it, but before I reached it, it shut itself firmly. I was about to get back into my bunk when somewhere in the darkness a voice spoke. Ah, now this is something like. It was an odd, unearthly sort of voice, and at first I thought I'd just imagined it. Then it spoke again. A house on wheels. Furniture and everything. Some fun, eh, chum? They never had nothing like this when I was alive. Then I realized what must have happened. I'd left the radio on and I was hearing some late program. I reached over to click it off. But it was already off. Puzzled, I found the light switch and turned it. The trailer was empty. Except for me. I was staring around in perplexity when I heard it again, that strange voice. Over here, chum. In the easy chair. That's right. Now, can you see me? Can I see him? I rubbed my eyes, then rubbed them again. There was something white and misty sitting in my easy chair. Something that grew more and more solid as I stared at it. Until I could see it quite plainly. Like looking at a disreputable old man carved out of a chunk of London fog. It was... The only thing it could be was... That's right, chum. I'm a ghost. My name is Spike Higgins. Pleased to meet you. What do you mean you're a ghost? There's no such thing as a ghost. Oh, no? Then listen to this. Oh! Did you hear a more ghostly groan than that? Or maybe you'd like to hear a banshee scream. You like a chum? Every ghost can do it. Here, now I'll give you another demonstration. Where we call this one number three V, the fatal warning. Are you ready? It'll 
curl your head. Are you prepared to meet your fate? I got a whole bag of ghostly tricks to try out. Why, it's years since I had a chance to use a single word of Hey, hey, what about some invisible footsteps, eh? Yeah, you see, I, I can do that without even stirring from this chair. And, and then there's the hollow knock on the front door. I'll demonstrate that, too. There. And now the door creaks open. Now, listen. See? Now, now, just suppose you was alone in a deserted house at night and you heard all them noises. What would you do, huh? I'm asking you, Chuck. I'd, uh, I'd run like the dickens. Yeah, I bet you would. Anybody would. And now do you believe I'm a ghost? Or, or should I give you some more of my repertoire? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I'm convinced. You're a ghost. Well, that's better. Now, now, now that we're acquainted, you can call me Spike. That's my name. Spike Higgins. Born March 28, 1888. Died April 15, 1930. Well done, now, good and faithful servant. Oh, I certainly wish I could wake up. This dream I'm having is ghastly. Not ghastly, ghostly. And you're not asleep. Hey, but speaking of sleeping, it's after midnight, and this is the first time I've been near a bed in more than 20 years. What do you say we turn in, huh? You mean... You're suggesting you're going to sleep in my trailer? Well, why not? That's what a trailer's for. A home away from home. No. I won't stand for it. Now, get out. Why did you ever come in here in the first place? Well, why did you stop in my territory? Answer me that, chum. Don't call me chum. My name is Melvin. Uh, if my name was Melvin, I'd rather be called chum. Okay, Melvin, you invited me in. I did no such thing. I, I deny it. Well, you stopped beside my railroad station, didn't you? Well, what do you mean, your railroad station? That old station outside, I haunted. A haunted railroad station? I never heard of such a thing. Well, there's plenty you never heard of. Well, back in 1930, I was a bum, see? I rode the boxcars. Well, one night, I was trying to get away from a railroad bull. Toughest railroad dick in the business. Name of Dan Fanchon. Well, I slipped off the top of a boxcar just as we was passing the station, see? Well, sir, I got appointed resident ghost for Seven Pine Station. A real lousy break. Hasn't been anybody in the station after dark for ten years. And then tonight you come along and park. Well, naturally, I invited myself in. Oh, that's some layout you got here. Well, why did you stay if you disliked it so? Had to. I was doomed never to leave. Punishment, you see. You were doomed to stay here forever? Like I said, never to leave. Why? I'll show you, Spike. This is where you and I part company. I know you think I was dreaming, but I wasn't. I was sitting there in my trailer talking to the ghost of a very disreputable-looking hobo. And I saw that I had to take drastic action. Spike had said he was doomed to stay there forever. But I wasn't. I hurried out of my trailer, climbed into my coupe, started the motor, and pulled away from there. I didn't stop until I'd gone 20 miles and left Spike Higgins' ghost safely behind me. Then I found a spot off the road, stopped, and went back to my trailer, completely bushed. Oh, boy, now for some sleep. Oh, I'm dead. Uh-uh, watch your language, Melvin. I'm dead, not you. Spike. Here I am, Melvin, in the other bunk. No, you can't be. 
You said you were doomed to stay forever back at the railroad station. Well, I said I was forbidden to leave. I didn't leave. You hauled me away in your trailer. So now the curse is broken. I can go any place I want. Then go. Any place. I don't care where. As long as it's someplace else. Oh, but I like it here, Milton. Nice and cozy, good company, plenty of scenery. I'll tell you what I'll do. If looking at me bothers you, I'll merge. Then you won't be able to see me. Merge with what? Merge with the other way. It's a long jump. I mean, Melvin, so long. He was gone. Except for me, the trailer was empty. Then I knew it had just been a dream. I took a stiff drink of scotch and tumbled into my buck. Next morning, the sun was shining. I thought about Louise and cheered up. I made myself a cup of coffee and started out happy as a lark again. I stayed happy almost all day. Then, as it was getting on towards evening, a cold, clammy draft chilled the back of my neck, and... Hello, Melvin. It's me, your old chum, Spike. You're not my old chum, and, and where are you? I, I can't see. Well, give me time, Melvin. Give me time. I've been merged with the other wear all night. I can't materialize again too fast or I'll strain my protoplasm. Yeah, how's that? You... You transparent monstrosity. I thought you were just a dream. Oh, have I got to convince you all over again? Okay, I'll run through my repertory for you. The ghostly groan, the dying scream, the scream of the banshee, the hollow footsteps, the squeaking door. No, 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 anything but that. I, I couldn't stand it again. Well, okay, then. Oh, but I left one out last night. The mournful howl of a dog. You know, in every ghost story, there's always a dog howling someplace. Well, well, that ain't a real dog. It's just a standard ghost sound effect. You like like this, see? Oh, no, 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 no. My nerves can't stand anymore. No, then, chum, you're going to have to toughen up. You're going to be hearing a lot of them ghostly noises, and you just got to get used to them. What do you mean? Well, you and me are going to be seeing a lot of each other. I am now the resident ghost of this here trailer. Congratulations, Melvin. You, you own the first haunted trailer. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Nobody ever heard of a haunted trailer. Well, they're going to hear of this one. You'll be famous all over America. Oh, that's absurd. A, a haunted trailer. Why not a haunted ferry boat, a haunted boxcar, or, or a haunted pullman? What do you think there ain't? Why, well, there's a haunted ferry boat mixed across at 125th Street every stormy night. And then there's a haunted boxcar. Never gets where it's going. Valamine rides the name of Boxcar Benson. And, and, and speaking of trains, didn't you never hear the Phantom Express? The Phantom Express? Yeah, yeah, it's an all-pullman car job, and, and nobody rides it but hobos who've been given a reward, see? It only travels by twilight, and it goes a thousand miles an hour. Always traveling, never stopping. That, that's heaven for us poor restless hobos. Indeed. Yeah, so what's so funny about a haunted trailer? Now I ask you. <laughs> Well, as I got underway again, I was worried. The idea of taking Louise for a honeymoon in a haunted trailer didn't appeal to me. I didn't think it would appeal to Louise either. Especially since Spike Higgins seemed to be a ghost completely lacking in all delicate sensibilities. But I didn't have any idea of what to do about it. Not even the ghost of an idea. Presently, Spike oozed himself back into the trailer... And I kept on driving until almost nine o'clock. Then I turned into a little motel and arranged to park overnight. 
I had some supper at a diner nearby and then went back to my trailer, hoping against hope that Spike would be gone. But he wasn't. The trailer was full of cigar smoke and the smell of whiskey. There was Spike sprawled out on my bunk, inhaling the smoke of a cigar that burned in the ashtray and from time to time leaning over to sniff at an open bottle of scotch. And to make it worse, another phantasmal character, long and thin and disreputable looking, occupied the other bunk. They were two thoroughly intoxicated spirits. Oh, many brave hearts lie asleep in the deep. So beware, beware. What is the meaning of this? Oh, oh, hello, Melvin. And Melvin, I want you to meet an old pal of mine, Nitro Nelf. Pleased to meet you, Melvin. I'd shake hands if I had any hands. Spike, I asked you a question. What is the meaning of this? Why, Melvin, we're just celebrating, that's all. I ain't seen Nitro for pretty near 25 years, so we're having a little fun. We're just a couple of high spirits. You got it? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Well, get this, this nitro ghost out of here at once. This is my trailer, and I don't want him here. Yeah, sure, sure, Melvin. It's your trailer, only I'm the resident ghost, see? I got full rights to extend hospitality to any other ghost, ghoul, phantasm, spirit, spoke, boogeyman, werewolf, vampire, or poltergeist I want to. Look it up, the spirit's handbook, section 7, paragraph B. Besides, Melvin, there's a lot worse things uh, than me that Spike could have invited. You know, some of them werewolves now. Brother. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, let's not talk about it. Just thinking of such things makes me nervous. But you'll have to stop singing. Suppose somebody heard you and, and came to investigate. Oh. Well, okay. And anyway, it's time to turn on the radio. Turn on the radio? For what? But to hear it, stupid. Uh, let's see, uh... Yeah, yeah, this ought to be the right station. May I ask, merely out of morbid curiosity, what program a ghost would listen to? Well, you don't have to ask, you'll hear it. Understand you refuse to clear up? And the answer to that, Melvin, is absolutely. Well, in that case, I'm going to rent a cabin for the night. 
I couldn't possibly sleep in this trailer with you two hunks of animated fog. Suit yourself, Melvin. Anyway, me and Spike got some uh, practice in the dope. Okay, Spike, let's go. First, the mournful dog howl. <laughs> That night, I slept in a rented cabin. The next morning, I drove on westward with my two phantom passengers and tried to pretend they weren't there. I almost got used to them. I suppose a man can get used to anything, even to having a permanent cold chill running down his backbone. When we passed through Denver, Nitro Nelson dropped off, saying he wanted to haunt up some old pals of his, leaving me with Spike Higgins. Well, Melvin, it's just you and me together now, just the two of us. Uh, until you get married, that is, then there'll be the three of I don't think Louise is going to like that. Oh, sure she will. Anyway, I'm sticking around. I hate to think what Louise will say when I tell her about it. Hey, hey, where are we going on our honeymoon? The three of us, I mean. I figured on driving up to Oregon to see the mountains. Oh, that's good, that's good. Just as long as we get away from California. What have you got against California? Oh, just that Dan Basher lives there now. Dan Basher? Yeah, you remember that tough railroad dick who was chasing me when I fell off that freight? Oh, he's the toughest bull in the business. Hey, you're not afraid of him now, are you? No, no, of course not. Of course not. Oh, only the grapevine says he's kind of sick, see, and he might be entering the spirit world any time now. I wouldn't want to run into him again if he did. He's got a grudge against me. Hey, hey, you know, I just thought of something. What? Well... Right at first, right at first, Louise probably won't be able to see me or to hear me, see? On account of a family ghost that's only visible to the household, you get me? Yes, but I don't understand well, why. as soon as you're married, she'll be part of the household, and then she can see me. Until then, no. Oh, uh, wake me up as soon as it gets dark, can't you? Three days ago, we reached Santa Monica. I rented parking space in an auto camp and immediately phoned Louise. Melvin, darling, I'm so glad you're here. I've been worried not hearing from you. Oh, I'll explain all about that. When can I come and see you? Well, I'd better come see you first, Melvin. You see, my uncle isn't well and the doctor said he must have quiet. I'll be there in an hour. I hurried back to the trailer and tried to clean it up. Spike Higgins' ghost lay on a bunk and watched me cynically. Hey, take it easy, Melvin. You're no good at housework. You know, this place needs a woman's touch. Now, listen, you. You've got to promise not to frighten Louise. I told you, Melvin. She won't even know I'm here. I certainly hope not. That would ruin everything. Here she comes now. Coming, darling. Melvin. Louise. Oh, here, let me help you in. <laughs> oh, thank you, Melvin. So this is it. The trailer you wrote me about. Uh-huh, darling. Look, here's the stove. And an ice box. And a built-in bar. A bar? Uh-huh. Oh, now, Melvin, you know I disapprove of spirit. I resent that. Be quiet. Why, Melvin? Oh, excuse me, darling. I, I wasn't talking to you. Well, then who were you talking to? Oh, it's hard to explain. Look, Louise, here's a writing desk that folds into the wall. And a regular easy chair. Well, it's very nice, Melvin, but 
All the same, we're not taking any spirits along on our honeymoon, bar or no bar. Oh, she got a surprise coming to her. I said to be quiet. Melvin, how can you talk to me like that? Come on, show her who's boss, Melvin. I told you to shut up. Melvin, I won't stay here and be insulted. You can telephone me when you're ready to apologize. With that, Louise stormed out. That evening, I had to plead with her on the telephone for half an hour before she would consent to let me drive out and see her at her home. Oh, really, Melvin? You were very rude this afternoon. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. I'm overwrought. I apologize. Well, you do look rather haggard, Melvin. And, And the way your hair stands on end, you really should do something about it. I wish I could. Uh, Louise, uh, uh, how soon can we get married? Well, I don't know. It depends on Uncle Dan. Uncle Dan? Uncle Dan Basher, my mother's brother. He's very ill. The doctor just gives him a few more days. Your uncle is Dan Basher, who used to be a railroad detective? Why, yes. And he's dying? I'm afraid so, Melvin. But you needn't look so pleased about it. Oh, sorry, darling. Uh, look, I, I must talk to him uh, now. Oh, but the doctor said he can't Just for be a minute, sick. darling. I, it's very important. Well, maybe just for a minute. Uh, come this way. This is his door. Uncle Dan? Yeah? Do you feel strong enough to talk? What about? Well, it's Melvin, my fiancé. He wants to meet you. Uh, send him in. Come in, Melvin. Thank you, Louise. Look, I, I must speak to your uncle in private. Oh, but Melvin... You... I'll explain later. That's a good but girl. Really, I, I <laughs> Thank you, Louise. Good work. I can never get rid of her. What do you want to marry Louise for, anyway? Oh, I, I love her. It's a pretty poor excuse for getting married. She's like a mother, my sister. The reason I spent all my life on the railroad. Well, that's what I want to talk about, sir. Uh, do you remember a certain... Spike Higgins? Do I remember him? If I could ever get my hands on him. You know him? I know his ghost. He's haunting my trailer. He is, huh? I'd certainly like to meet up with him. Oh, I'd certainly like you to. He's outside now. My trailer is parked at the curb. Well, in that case, I was figuring on postponing the event for a few days. But for the privilege of meeting up with Spike Higgins' ghost... Yes? Lab... Go outside and wait. I'll be out in a couple of minutes. In the spirit. I made some excuse to Louise and hurried out to the trailer. Spike Higgins' ghost was lolling on my bunk. Oh, out so soon, Melvin? What's the matter? Oh, nothing, Spike. Nothing. Hey, you're up to something. What is it? Nothing, I tell you. Oh, relax, Spike. Relax. I got a funny feeling. Uh-oh, someone's coming. What do you mean, someone? Another spook. He's coming in here. Hello, Spike. Dan Bess. In the spirit, Spike. I've been waiting for this meeting for a long time. Oh, no, Melvin, you double-crossed. After him. Quick, Mr. Basher. Right, you are, lad. I rushed outside. 
three blocks away, I saw a long freight train puffing away. Spike Higgins' ghost was racing for it with Dan Basher's spirit gaining on him. For the first time in a week, I felt happy again. <laughs> Melvin. Oh. Oh, Louise. Melvin. Uh, Uncle Dan. Uh, He's gone. Yes, I know he is. You know? <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, I just saw him running for that freight train. You saw Uncle Dan running for a freight train? Oh, I certainly did. <laughs> Wonderful fellow, your uncle. Well, Milton, are, are you mad? Mad? N- not a bit. I am as happy as a lark. Well, you must be out of your mind. Your poor Uncle Dan has... D- oh, Melvin, and you just stand there laughing about it. Laughing! But, but Louise, you, you don't understand. Oh, I understand all too well. You want to break our engagement. Hiya, Melvin. <laughs> so you want to get rid of me, do you? I certainly do. Louise, darling. Oh, just like a dame, always weeping. Will you shut up? Isn't there any way to get rid of you? Well, there certainly is. Goodbye, Melvin McGraw, forever. Louise. Oh, never mind, Melvin. You've always got me. Well, that's my story. I'm a desperate man. Louise sent me back my ring, and I'm stuck with Spike Higgins' ghost. I should have known he'd outsmart Dan Basher. He left Dan's spirit hunting the freight train for him and came straight back to me. Now I'll never get rid of him. I'm just a shadow of my former self. I I can't get a job. Oh, look. Do any of the radio stations carrying my story need a good sound effects man for mystery programs? Oh, with me and Spike Higgins' ghost working together, we can guarantee authentic effects. Here, look. We'll give you a demonstration. Spike, let's have the creaking door. Now, the fatal warning. Are you prepared to meet your maker? Now, the dog howling in a cemetery. Mysterious traveler again. Dear me, what an odd story Meldrin had to tell. Really, I don't know whether to take it seriously or not. A haunted train. It would be just the thing for my summer vacation. I do know a haunted telephone booth where I make all my calls. Oh, but I'm just joking. There are no such things as ghosts. Ah, there, Spike. Of course there ain't. Well, the whole idea is ridiculous. You see? Oh, you have to get off here? I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this same time. You have just heard The Mysterious Traveler. And now you can also enjoy other tense and dramatic stories of The Mysterious Traveler in the June issue of The Mysterious Traveler magazine. In our cast were James Stevens, Larry Haynes, Bill Zuckert, and Shirley Blank, with Maurice Tarplin starred in the title role. Music is under the direction of Emerson Buckley and was composed by Richard DuPage. This program came from New York. (laughs) 
dramatized stories of crime and the events leading up to the capture of the perpetrator are the order of the day on True Detective Mysteries. These stories are based on actual police file cases that have an air of authenticity seldom captured by a crime program. So, for the best in mystery listening, make a date to tune in True Detective Mysteries every Sunday over most of these stations. This program was transcribed especially for presentation to the West Coast audience at this hour. Listen again next week at this same time for Mysterious Traveler. And stay tuned now for Let George Do It, heard over most of these same stations. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. That was The Mysterious Traveler and the episode The Haunted Trailer here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And Joshua brought that to the table in honor of April Fool's Week, which, uh, since that's what the theme was, congratulations, I get it now, because that was the worst Casper cartoon I've ever watched in my life. You need to watch some more Casper cartoons. Nope. I love this. Oh, come on. Really? Here we go. Ding, ding. Gloves are off. Here we go. All right. Rumble. Well, I'm not suggesting that I wish every episode was like How would you compare it to like the this. original short story? <laughs> well, they made a few additions. Um, Spike was called Bob in the original short story, and I thought they were just being a little gratuitous here. No, the original and, version of this, they were called uh, Stretch, uh, Stinky. <laughs> Who are the uncles of Casper? Fatso, that's what they were. You're Ghosts trying to were. diss on this episode, but you're just embarrassing yourself by exposing your knowledge of Casper the Friendly Ghost. So I think it's all backfiring on you, buddy. The reason I like this episode is that I can think of other examples of horror radio shows that experiment with this kind of meta horror and meta humor, like the author and the thing from Lights Out or Where Do You Get Your Ideas From, from Quiet Please. But none of those match just this sheer glee that this story does it with. I mean, it slowly dismantles itself until literally by the end, the story is all gone and Spike the Ghost is just sitting in the train with the mysterious traveler (laughs) (laughs) making jokes. It just takes itself apart. And your main character is trying to get a job in radio. Yes. I'm not saying every joke lands, but I, I think it's an entertaining idea. And the stuff that does land, I think, lands really well. I guess... If I approach it as a comedy and supposed to be funny. Wait, wait, wait. It's <laughs> a mysterious traveler. I'm halfway through it going, nothing about this is scary or mysterious or. Well, I understand fun. why you hated it then. You're like, I, this isn't terrifying. No, it wasn't. But it tells you from the top the tone of the mysterious traveler, the incidental music tells you. The way he oh. said haunted trailer made it sound like it was going to be a Lucy and Desi movie. <laughs> the haunted awesome. trailer. Uh. <laughs> But when I'm pining for Goofy's portrayal of Jacob Marley <laughs> as a ghost. You're digging some deep references out of here. <laughs> what I'm asking you is to look at it by what it's trying to be, not what you prefer or what you would here's, rather it be. Here's what I hate about this podcast is I like I have is these me. opinions. I understand. And then I get in and you go, no, it's this and this and this. And I go, oh, I'm stupid. This, so this is supposed to be funny. I think it's meant to be a 
self-referential satire of the mysterious traveler and horror. Well, radio. then, well done. <laughs> uh, but if you're going to ask me, do you enjoy the satire of itself or whatever it is? No, I still didn't enjoy it, you know, like in that sense, because I would like an adventure mm-hmm. or something suspenseful or scary. You yeah. know, that wouldn't be something I'd turn to. But it, it certainly clears things up because I thought that they were trying to portray this as suspenseful or mysterious in some way. I don't think so at all. No, I guess not. (laughs) I've already admitted I'm wrong. I don't don't think it hits what it's trying to do all that well. Like when he establishes, I'm a ghost, I make these noises, and then noise, 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 and it's (laughs) just kind of the same gag repeated over and over again. Yeah. And they go back to it later, and they go back to it later. I like the gag of where their favorite radio show is Mysterious Traveler. (laughs) Well, now that I know it's a satire, but when you don't know that, you go, what are you doing? (laughs) I actually wrote down, yeah, there you go. Nothing scarier than a slide whistle, which is also directly from a Casper cartoon. (laughs) I wrote down, the slide whistle kills me. They go for repetitive humor. I mean, they hit the spirit joke like 15 times, right? This is like, you know, if it's funny once, it's funny 18 more times. And so I get it. These aren't comedy writers. However, like things like the slide whistle, I think is really funny after we have heard the ghost itself make the cliche horror noises. And then we find out what ghosts really sound like is the dopiest sound in the world. And I find that (laughs) hilarious. It doesn't sound like any of the scary list of old time radio stuff. It's a slide whistle. That's a genius joke. I think most of the sound in here and the structure of the story is where it's brilliant. When you find out that ghosts talk like Joe Pesci. (laughs) They wanted to make sure no one thought they were being serious. So that's why that voice I guess it never occurred to me when someone says, here's an episode of The Mysterious Traveler, and I'm going, okay, here we go. I'll read it to you. Here we go. (laughs) They open the show with settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable if you can, right? Yeah. If you said nudge, nudge, wink, wink at some point, I'd go, oh, they're going to make fun of themselves. Did they do this a lot? No, that's why I brought it. I think that's why it's entertaining to me. It's something different and surprising. And I also think in some ways it does not stand the test of time in that our modern genre shows do this all the time now all sorts of meta. This is like half the X-Files is this kind of stuff where they're having meta self-referentials to their show and the tropes within the show and the inadequacies of the show, winking at it. Those scripts are a lot more sophisticated than this one in their jokes and humor. But I think the genius of this is where it comes around at the end, as I've already mentioned, and Tim uh, touched on it too, that at first they're making fun of radio and by the end that's all they have left. And when they're actually asking for a job on radio so that Spike's sound effects actually become the sound effects mm-hmm. his sound effects are making fun of. <laughs> <laughs> so that level of deconstruction is amusing to me. The part where it kicked in and I enjoyed the satire, or I sat, the, the choices, <laughs> sounds damning with faint praise, but was the characterization of the fiancé and her uncle. The fiancé who... Every bit of dialogue sounded like a preschool teacher trying to calm down her class. <laughs> like, that's going to be a terrible marriage if that comes to pass. <laughs> and then the uncle, <laughs> just like, who is it? I'm dying. Why would you want to marry her? All right. I'll just let myself go in a couple minutes. I don't... <laughs> he is some healthy advice, though. Love is a pretty poor excuse for getting married. <laughs> 
I love that this old railroad detective hates this guy so much <laughs> that he's willing to be like, what, he's a ghost? Kill me now. I'm, I'm going to get him. <laughs> and it entertains me to think of, all right, leave me alone for a couple minutes. And then he just picks up a bat and starts beating him. I don't know what happened in those couple minutes. <laughs> I would be surprised if they originally wanted a gunshot there or something that someone said, you can't do that. That's not funny. But that's what I was expecting when he said, hey, leave me alone for a second. Just bam! <laughs> and then a slide whistle. <laughs> How long were they dating that he was going to marry this woman without previous knowledge that she didn't approve didn't of drinking? Drink. These are... Third date questions. <laughs> Maybe even first date questions. Look, I like to drink now, and then do you? No. Yeah, okay, so let's call this off. But it kicks off the litany of spirit jokes, though. You don't understand. <laughs> well, that, that, that also is a section where you can feel the hands of some writer just, I'm going to make this conversation beat out so that he is telling his fiance to shut up. It's, it's like... old school farce, and, and you see it coming, and it becomes a game of ghostly rules that Spike lays out right before they're important. <laughs> like, oh, you gotta be married before you, got, you can actually yeah. see me and you go, oh, I can't leave. Here it like, comes. You can, you can take me away. Yeah. And for some reason, I found the image funny and gross of the two ghosts inhaling whiskey and cigar fumes <laughs> as their only way to get high. The true horror of this is having a roommate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he comes in An and finds those, finds those guys in his trailer, it's totally a roommate yes. moment. This has happened to me. I came home one day. This is a true story, and I won't go into detail, but I had a roommate that I didn't know I was getting in a house that I lived in. Six months later, I had to get some friends and move his stuff out physically while he sat and watched, put it in a truck and move it to another apartment. But this guy just showed up and started living in my house. <laughs> You know, in your 20s, weird things happen. So, uh, yeah, it's a nightmare roommate story. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I'll have to apologize to the two of you. You don't have I to apologize. I've actually entertaining. I've come around. I don't have much to say because I have to readjust my thinking. <laughs> I went, well, that wasn't very scary or anything, but now I'm going, oh, I get it. When you just said an old school farce, and I love farces. I've directed a few. I enjoy them immensely. I like the ridiculousness of a, a theatrical farce and how stupid everybody is on stage in order for it to work. People have got to be really dumb and not catch things with mistaken identities and people in rooms and wigs and you know and if i'm thinking of it in those terms it's totally different i'm not sure if i like it yet but (laughs) (laughs) but it's a different thing right can you imagine what's going on in my head right now can you appreciate (laughs) how confused i am that i want to stop the podcast and start from the top and re-record and go brilliant farce (laughs) It's not even that brilliant of a farce. It's just <laughs> it's just that it plays with these tropes in a way that I don't see radio doing much in this dramatic form. Most radio is really clearly divided at this time between, you know, comedy and suspense and horror and those lines are usually only blurred in really experimental shows like Lights Out or Quiet Please that mm-hmm. blurs it continually and moves between comedy and horror and romance mm-hmm. and all sorts of different things. So it was weird to see the mysterious traveler kind of dip its toe in those sort of more experimental 
areas. And because Mysterious Traveler is a more conventional show, it doesn't succeed in the way that I think Arch Obler or Willis Cooper's experimentation in this area succeeds. It's very conventional in its comedy. Just like Mysterious Traveler is very conventional in its suspense, even when it's really good. It's interesting you say that because I've noticed over the last five years, and I think the the door was open with Guardians of the Galaxy, where they were combining suspense and superhero movies with comedy. Mm-hmm. When I watched that the first time, I was like, how are you going to get away with this? And they did. I thought it was very successfully done, but now it's bleeding over into everything. All of a sudden, I'm sorry, it's not a podcast about this, but now... Thor is funny, you know? <laughs> you know. Everybody's telling jokes now and because they were successful with it. So everybody's got winks and nudges and funny lines that they get to say. But that's in a difficult place to go mm-hmm. to try to combine those two things. But I don't see it now that I'm thinking about it. What you're telling me, I don't see it as a combination as much as, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a comedy. Not anything that's trying to combine anything, mm-hmm. but the Mysterious Traveler had established itself as something yeah. else. They are going outside their comfort zone, and it shows. The stuff that is brilliant in it is mainly the self-referential stuff, not the just one-liners. But how did his wife turn into a cat? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're going to have to take this one off. <laughs> I'm going to vote. Yeah, let's do that. I would say this is of, is of historical interest. It really strikes me, in fact, to project my own suspicions. The writer's room was like, you know what would be hilarious? You know what would be funny if we did an episode that was just this and this and this? And it was not meant to be, we're going to do a funny episode. Just this is an indulgence. This is for right. us. I have a script from Casper that didn't get bought. <laughs> <laughs> And so there's the Foley joke, there's the, mm-hmm. the joke for everybody involved. And I think overall, the jokes miss as often or more often than they hit. When they hit, they're pretty funny. I mean, mm-hmm. they they do some good gags in there. But it is noteworthy in that it's early days for an episode like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't happen often or ever at this time, I think. Can I just have mine be what Tim said? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not a classic, and it's a weird because I think it simultaneously stands the test of time and doesn't, in that yeah. I think it was probably really surprising in its day. And because so many shows, we're in 2000 teens here, and we're like, oh, yeah, this is what they did on Buffy and X-Files. Yeah, it's their comedy episode. And so in some ways, I think it's forward-looking, but we've actually gone past where it's looking. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like, I think it would stand the test of time more 20 years ago and then did 70 years ago too. So I think it's that weird cyclical factor of going back and listening mm-hmm. to old things um, and it can stand the test of time then stop standing the test of time and then stand the test of time again depending yeah. on where the tastes and culture and art has moved. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. I'm trying to think of some April Fool's Day themed content I'll have there, but that means I'll have to put some April Fool's Day themed content, so there probably won't be The any. joke is that you'll be looking for it, and it's not there! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Carefully scan all the content and see if you can find the hilarious joke. Please let the image for this show, when we put it up, be Casper. <laughs> Anyways, at GlitchLights.com, you'll find other episodes of this podcast. You'll find ways to get a hold of us. There's a contact page. You can comment on episodes. You can click through to our social media pages contact us however you'd like and say your opinion let us know what you think and which one of us must be shamed for our opinion 
<laughs> yes, you can also go to iTunes and write a review. That's another way to let us know what you think. But hopefully what you think is great. Um, <laughs> you can also support us on Patreon.com slash The Morals. Uh, become a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Uh, we've got a lot of fun rewards there. Buttons, membership cards, secret monthly podcast, um, all sorts of stuff. So check that out. Next time, it's a request from a listener as we will be listening to an episode of Suspense called Pigeon in the Cage. Until then... Hello, Melvin. It's me, your old chum. Casper the Friendly Dog.